I'm Peter Medlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge from WNIJ. And if this is your first time here in Teacher's Lounge, good news. It's a really simple idea. We've all had teachers in our lives who've inspired us, and we want you to be a part of our show with us because every educator that we have on this podcast, whether it's a teacher, a coach, a professor, is nominated by the folks who listen. So please do tell us about the educators who've shaped you and the educators in your community who deserve a spotlight. Email us with your nominations and story ideas at teacherslounge at niu.edu. And today, we've got a very special episode of the show I'm excited to share, and I will actually toss it to myself from a few weeks ago to tell you all about it. This morning, today, is a very special day because this is the first time ever that Teacher's Lounge is recording in a real teacher's lounge at a school. We are here at North Grove Elementary in Sycamore, Illinois. It's early in the morning. I'm sure there's coffee brewing about 15 feet from us. I'm sure there's red pens being whipped out. I'm sure that there's meetings happening and somewhere kids are just about ready to be rolling into the building. So we're here having multiple conversations with multiple educators who teach a range of different grade levels here at the elementary school from kindergarten through fifth grade, people that focus on technology. And we're here to ask them about how the pandemic has changed them as educators. I think that it's probably the understatement of the century that it has been a very weird couple of years for education, whether it be learning loss, whether it be learning from home, juggling teaching in person and online at the same time and then coming back and that's not even to touch on the trauma and anxiety and fear that has come for so many families and kids over the last couple years and so we know that with social emotional learning and technology there's been so much upheaval and we really want to hear about how that's changed people as teachers, the way they do their work and the way they interact with the kids that they're in the classroom with each and every day. We hope you enjoy the conversations. I'm Dawn Berry. I teach fourth grade. I have been a teacher since 2000 I graduated. So I worked in a different district for about 10 years, then was a stay-at-home mom, and then have worked here about seven, eight years. As we know, edu the last couple years in education has been weird, which is the understatement of the century. Correct. I'm sure it's been complete upheaval, whether it be technology changes, focusing on more social emotional learning. So for you, now that we're a couple years removed from when all of that churning started, how do you feel like the pandemic changed you as a teacher? Great question. So the pandemic changed me in a lot of ways, but yeah. as a teacher, I definitely say all three of those ways. So technology, I think I have just, it's enhanced my technology. Before I was very paper friendly and now I'm very much electronic based with parent communication. I think just so much more comfortable with technology that, you know, we were asked to do kind of it on the spot and we learned quickly, but now I'm not afraid of it. And where I think starting teaching in 2000, you know, those were some of the things that I was like, hey, can I do this? And so it, that in itself, technology, I am extremely stronger in, and I'm not afraid, and the kids are very savvy in it, so it's just helped completely from the pandemic. So I would say that of all is probably where I've gained the most, and I think kids have 
they love technology, so it's enhanced. Yeah. That's been a positive. In a fourth grade classroom, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis so, in the classroom with technology now, differently than what it looked like, say, in 2018 or 19? awesome that you asked that. So before I feel like we were very much more paper and it was like, oh, maybe we'll go and use the Chromebook in a little bit and where it's a lot of choice. So it's kids, do you want to use the Chromebook or would you rather um, write it? And there's a lot of, we start our day with technology, we end our day, it's embedded throughout our entire days. Kids are recording themselves on their weekly updates. They're also very much um, using apps that they've never used before. So for example, with like math, um, if they need a reinforcement of a skill, they can then go and kind of get that from our Google Classroom. And where our Google Classrooms were kind of our landing place, I feel like they now can go and shop for that resource. And it's, it's more guided, but it also has allowed for a lot of growth for them and also that student choice. So they have more access to that technology just all the time. All and you said time. that they're recording themselves for like they weekly are. updates, like what is that? So that's that podcast. So yeah. on a Monday they will, they sign up for it. So they'll give, be given a script and they, like a blank script and they fill it out and throughout the week they plan it. And then on a Friday they use like an Anchor, it's called Anchor um, yeah, app and they record themselves and they get to go to the principal's office and record themselves and then that's then shared with all the parents. So which is awesome and it's from their point of view but they get to interview people like you and I are doing right now which I had not done pre-pandemic like I it's not that I don't think I could have done it I think the pandemic helped me know hey this is another way to communicate and this is putting the kids in the leadership role and that's something that came about during the pandemic when they were still at least some kids were learning from home still yes so great that you brought that up so you had asked also about social emotional so yes, yes as teachers during the pandemic we were juggling kind of a couple different things so we had some at home we had some right in front of us we had some coming different days um, so, right, that juggle was real and that social emotional part of that was one thing that I feel like as a teacher that I had taught before the pandemic and after, the group work before was so important, but it's so much more important now. And um, so we started just kids telling the other kids on screen like what was going on in the classroom because they weren't there. Um, so it wasn't as formalized as this podcast script now, but it was that conversation of, hey, this is something, you know, and this is what we did today. And, you know, I had different roles like the chat monitor. And so different kids, I tried leadership roles, but coming post-pandemic, that relationship and that group work is everything. And that's where I feel um, where before I felt like the curriculum was my guiding force. It's now those relationships. So when you asked what were some things, from the pandemic, I realized the importance of people and the importance of working together. Um, I did it before and it was more of an option, but now even more, it's we start with a morning meeting and we talk about how we're feeling and we that's guided throughout our day and then we end the same way. So we're, technology is embedded in our whole day, so are relationships and really that flexibility of teachers where I feel like before it was like, okay, we got to get this assignment done or we have to do this homework. It's now more, how are you today? Let's work where you're at and let's go from there. So, Again, your kids in fourth grade now, when the pandemic began and they had to go home for the first time and learn from home for the first time, they were in the first grade. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the social part of this, mm -hmm. along with 
the stress and the trauma that the pandemic brought for so many kids and so many families, they've missed out or maybe not missed out, but their experience from first to fourth grade has been so different. So I could totally see how the relationships and the social component of that and the emotional component of that has taken center stage over the last couple oh, of years. Most definitely. And really, um, it taught me even, you know, as you get in your veteran years, you're like, oh, the kids, oh, they can't spell this sentence or they can't do this. And it's more, that doesn't matter really. It's also, how are we feeling? And we need to prepare them to be able to work together. And the relationship is everything. It really is between the teacher and the student, between the student and the student, between the building, be, between even seeing each other. It's everything. <laughs> is there, as we close out here, is there anything else just about what your experience as a teacher has been over the last couple of years? Obviously, education has been a huge national story, almost in a way that it wasn't before the pandemic. Is there something about being a teacher that you just wish more people knew about? It's a lot of work. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I don't think we anyone's going to dispute more. that. <laughs> yes. Do we have that on camera? Get that on camera. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. As you said, your family members are teachers. Um, you know, I really think it's we're kind of like as teachers, we we need those parents. We It's also a team. So where the parents had to kind of step in and do all these things, we truly are still a team. And I feel like that team aspect, we can't do it without the kids on board, without the parents on board. It's truly collaborating together. So it's collaboration and it's not that against each other. It's like, hey, what can we do to do the best thing for your kiddo? My name is Whitney Wheeler and I currently teach third grade. It's been about 10 years in second grade. This is my third year in third grade. Tiffany Ryan and I teach second grade and I've taught second grade for 18 years. How do you feel like the pandemic has changed you as an educator? So we both feel, like, not Tiffany and I have talked about this, we both feel it's changed us in lots of different ways. Um, and so one of those ways, relationships have always been super important um, to both in both of our classrooms, but since the pandemic and not being face-to-face -face with kids all the time, um, you really realize how important those interactions are, um, whether it be in small groups, whole groups, just kind of getting to know kids outside of just school and their likes. Um, and what makes them them. And so just building, continuing to build those relationships with kids has been super important. And that was something that was really hard at first when we were doing virtual. Um, that was the first thing that I was really upset about is I thought, oh, this is gonna be so hard to build relationships with kids virtually. But it actually happened and it was kind of cool that we were still able to do that. And I feel like a really strong connection with those kids that we went through that time together just because it was like we were all learning something new at the same time. And I, it makes me emotional thinking about it. And it was, and, you know, you know, we always think about like, oh, my goodness, you know, COVID learning was like this horrible thing, you know. And it was so cool to see insight into their lives through their homes. And so, like, some of my favorite things were like this time of year with Elf on the Shelf. The kids were like, let me show you this. And here he is today, you know. And so we got to learn even more about kids. And so I feel like that really was like, okay, we need to do this when we come back to in-person learning again is we really need to just take that time and like just even though we can't be in their homes with them like we were before to just really get to know them other than inside of our classrooms and yeah have those families. conversations mm -hmm. with them because you know like Elf on the Shelf right now that's really big for them and so letting them have the time to 
talk about that. And that kind of goes with the SEL too, Mm -hmm. is um, the building relationships. But also, um, there's just more kids that are struggling right now, it seems like. And so just trying to really spend time getting to know them and what makes them happy and trying to find that and to help them be successful for their whole day. And we've always had an SEL curriculum. It was kind of like something we would spend like a day out of the week working on. Well, now it's every day. And we're pulling in more books. And I feel like, too, as teachers, we're like in the moment for SEL. If a, if a problem is happening, we stop what we're doing and we address that problem. Um, so I feel like that's really strengthened our SEL. Um, like Tiffany said, just knowing kind of what makes them happy, kind of having those coping mechanisms if something is um, happening with a peer or we just kind of stop what we're teaching and that's number one right now. Yeah, I, I remember having so many conversations with people at the onset of the pandemic when so much changes, right? And, and you guys, especially as elementary teachers, are like relationships are the most important thing here. Let's not forget it. And I think the big, you know, a, a, one of those fears was that when we're back in the classroom and once we do that for a while, we're going to start to take it for granted again and we're going to start mm-hmm. to recede back to the way things were before. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you guys were conscious of as you were coming back to the classroom of we really can't just let ourselves slip back to the way things were before? I think we were. And I um, and what we've kind of done too through curriculum-wise is we've really now figured out our essentials. What does a third grader need to know before they go to fourth grade? Really kind of like having that, um, like that more of a targeted look at what they need to do so that we were not, we're able to build those relationships, focus on SEL, also academics, but kind of just having that focus more now on the absolute essentials. Yeah, our pacing has definitely changed a little bit, and um, I'm not necessarily curriculum-wise in the same place that I maybe was a couple years ago um, at the same time. But you have to just pick out what's most important and um, because we have so much that we have to focus on. So, you know, trying to just find the most important things, but also building other things into our day, the SEL component too. Yeah, I think that social SEL and social emotional learning, I I know education is a land of a million acronyms. (laughs) People that that might not be familiar with that. So I'm curious, people, I think when they hear building relationships is important. I think that's something that people get. It makes sense to them intuitively. Mm -hmm. But for people that aren't familiar with what that looks like on a day-to-day basis and what implementing social-emotional learning looks like, can you give us a little bit of insight onto, you know, what that really means for you as a teacher on an everyday basis? Um, So every, like, for any, like, examples that just kind of, that we do, I feel like there's so many things we do just naturally now, Um, but we start our morning every day with a morning meeting, and in that morning meeting we share an awesome part of our day from the day before, and so that's just building in um, that relationship piece, kind of maybe there was something that another, they heard to another friend say, and then then that made them happy, like a lot of our awesomes are like, you know, so-and-so did a great job partner reading with me today, or said hi to me on the playground, things like that, Um, and then I also feel like bringing in books um, now, so like, we had a, um, a, the other day, just kind of like someone was really down on themselves because of just something going on in class, and so it's immediately, let's pull out a picture book, and we can relate to that character, instead of talking you know, just about that, that student, we're looking at it as a whole and being able to address those concerns. 
I think pulling a lot of books and then just conversations. And I agree with what Whitney said. Um, pulling in books is really important because sometimes just having those conversations when you're in the moment, the kids aren't ready for that. But if you pull in the book, then it's somebody else having the problem mm-hmm. in the book. And But then saying, okay, has anybody ever felt this way? And then, again, having conversations about, you know, having kids share what their feelings have been, using the book as the um, launching pad. Um, But then also just sometimes with kids, I have some kids that shut down a lot. And so just trying to find out, like, why, why aren't they talking to me right now? What can I do to get them to do what they need to be doing in this moment? And so sometimes, like, my, a couple of my kids this year just won't <clears throat> open up and say what's wrong with them. And so I've learned just to give them, like, a piece of paper or a dry erase board and say, okay, draw a picture of what you're feeling right now. And sometimes that helps. So, and I just get those tips from our social worker or from our special education um, teacher to help me know how can I help them. Is it, does you feel like the school is a bit more collaborative when it comes to working with, you know, social workers, counselors, special education teachers? Is it more, you know, you guys are, are open to, to communicating more throughout the day? Yeah, and, and I even feel like teammate-wise, too. Like, mm-hmm. and even across grade levels, like, we, through COVID, you could not be on your own. Um, and <laughs> so I feel like just everybody now, we all work as a team um, across, across the building, across the district. Because we, you learned so much in COVID that you had to collaborate. Like we all had to be in this together um, to make it successful for the for the kids. And so we all, kids are number one priority, and we, they always have been. But I feel like through COVID, that's been a huge, just a huge game changer. Is we're all we're all in it for the kids. They're all of our kids. The last question I'll end off on is just obviously the last couple of years have been so challenging. What's just something about being an educator that you just wish more people knew? Something you think is more important than people might realize who aren't in these classrooms, aren't with these kids every day? For me, I think it would be how much time goes into um, being ready for your day. and But then also you spend time being ready, but you still don't really know what's going to happen. Um, what the kids are, how they're going to respond to something or what kind of mood they're going to come in that day. And so I don't know if people realize that we're just like always on. Like when you step your foot into the building, you have a smile on your face, even no matter what happened at home that morning. And it's like, you know, you have to let your worries and your troubles kind of go away. And I'm here for the kids. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if people really realize that everything that we do is not just, um, oh, I'm going to teach this lesson, but, you know, how am I going to get everybody on the same page? I would piggyback off of that exactly, um, to where when we leave the building, we don't leave our work behind. Um, you're constantly up thinking about the kids or like, oh, you know, this lesson went well today, but these friends are still not getting it. What can I do? Um, and so I know I sleep with like a notebook next to my next to my bed just so I know like so I can remember like in the middle of the night if I wake up and I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot to do this or so and so needs this tomorrow. So I just feel like our brains are never off um, and they're our kids even whether we have them this year or we had them 10 years ago. Um, and so I just feel like we're always, yeah, Sydney said we're always on. 
So my name is Liz Curlin. I've worked here in Sycamore Schools for um, a little over 11 years and I work in the technology lab. So it's kinder kindergarten through fifth grade. I get to see the kids um, progress in their technology skills to make sure they have a foundation um, that's going to really change who they are as an individual throughout their whole life. Um, technology really shapes everything and anything we do. You're kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and I tell them that again and again. I'm like, you go to the grocery store, that person can type. They're using all 10 of their fingers. You're at the doctor's office, your doctor can type um, and just navigate the computer. Um, so I get to help them through that process and make sure that they're engaged and curious about using the internet to kind of connect and find everything they, they need to and want to. So I, I feel like I'm in a lucky position. And then we learn about um, computer science too. So we uh, introduce coding down at kindergarten. You're kidding, that's uh, no, awesome. No, wow. it's great. So, and it's progressive. It, it progresses, of course. So by the time they're in fifth grade at our school, um, you can choose to work in uh, JavaScript or you can use to choose to play games in Python. Um, and it's amazing that some of the kids who struggle in a regular classroom they really get that step-by-step -step logic of what coding offers. So I love my job. Yeah. Yeah. Liz, well, we will start you off with that question that I, that I told you about again, which is just obviously things have, have changed significantly over the last couple of years. Right. There's been so much upheaval, and technology has clearly been a massive part of that. And so I'm curious, how do you feel like the pandemic has changed you as an educator? Sure. So um, as an educator, it actually completely flipped my curriculum. So before the pandemic, I ran a computer lab where kids came in and we had um, Windows, Microsoft-based computers. Sure. And so there was a whole set of skills there, like don't forget to save your file. Um, oh, oh, you lost all your work because you didn't press save. Yeah, hit the little um, floppy disk. So, yeah, the little floppy disk. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and I have them hanging in my room. Kids still don't know what they are. I have to point them out. But <laughs> oftentimes, even web-based applications use that, even though there's no context for it. Yeah. Um, so we used to teach all of these software things, and now everything's cloud-based. Um, so just the kind of nitty-gritty of how do I hold my computer when I carry it, because now it's portable where before it used to be there for me. So it's kind of changed my whole curriculum. And I started a couple weeks ago, as we talk about digital literacy, even trying to inform them and like plant that little seed where I'm like, hey, if you don't need that file, you should delete it because it's not in the magical cloud. It's in like a, a storage facility and a large server. Um, so even those tiny little things. Um, and for the kid perspective, it's amazing how much they took away from the pandemic. Um, like we see all those memes where adults are forgetting to like mute their camera or mute their mic before they do something yeah. silly. The kids did all those too, too, like the nth degree during the pandemic, but now they get it. So they, they, that foundation that is there foundation at a much is, younger level. Absolutely, and I was telling our principal that some of the skills that I teach are, at least even for kindergarten, about two months earlier than what I used to teach. So it's moved up that curriculum. I don't have to show them like, oh, this is the, the speaker button, so it's too loud. A lot of the kids instantly know it coming in that what the word mute means. Yes. And that's like a specialized vocabulary that I think a fifth, a five-year-old 10 years ago never would have understood what mute was, but they instantly know that vocabulary. Um, the connection to the world too, like when we first hit the pandemic and 
they were excited to look at their computer and see their teacher and this is my background and we had to talk about what video conferencing was mm. now it's kind of an expectation they already understand that and i'm sure social media has driven that too where they know they can pull up any program and skype people or facetime people um, but all those foundational skills I used to have to teach, now we can move past them and think about how those connections can help them and help the world, which is great, right? Because now the foundation's out of the way and we can kind of explore. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too, for you uh, as a technology focus, because I think about at the elementary school level, I think there's a lot of conversation about like screen time oh, and, and that stuff, especially when during the pandemic, kids that young were just all day having to be into it just yes. to learn oh and gosh. so i'm curious how over the last couple of years we've been thinking about like not just you know how we use our technology but you know like where and when and trying to find a balance of how often we use this and like what is the best use of our time when we are in front of a screen you know? oh hands down so um one of the things I try to teach my teachers here and coach them through and tell the children as well is just because you can do it on a computer doesn't mean you have to do it. Yeah. And when you set out to do something on the computer, you have to know your end goal first. Like, what's your whole purpose? Because if it was just to color a picture, please go grab a crayon. That's going to get you some really good fine motor skills. Um, so having that purpose and having that need, and I actually just had a fifth grader the other day kind of like offhandedly laugh. She's like, my parents told me not to have too, many, too much screen time, but Friday I get so much screen time. Is this hurting my eyes? <laughs> so they're even aware of it. They're even aware of it. Um, so in, in the elementary school, kids are always looking for, like they want you to love them. And because I teach computers, they're like, Mrs. Curlin, I'm going to go home and play a video game. I'm like, oh, no. Remember, I teach you things here. Now you're going to go home to let, play outside. Yeah. <laughs> play, out, play outside. Get that, get that real world. Like, are you sure? I was planning on six hours of Minecraft. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> and, and there is educational benefit to Minecraft. Sure, yes. I mean, the vocabulary that comes out of there it is, is amazing as you play the game. Um, but, yeah, it's important to teach them the balance now and have them understand that even though I love computers, I'm like, I pull out books. I'm like, oh, look, I read this book. It's not on my computer. I go draw pictures. I go enjoy the outside and my friends. Um, and we have, like, digital literacy and um, being a good digital citizen in our curriculum all the way down to kindergarten where we talk about it's time to set it down and go play with friends. Um, so, I mean, even for adults, we have, <laughs> yes. to, we have to balance that. Um, so just like anything in education, we plant the seed now and – hopefully they have a good balance stop doom right scrolling now. i'm saying that to myself in the camera <laughs> you do not need to watch the next video even though it pops up like stop it stop it you know, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm thinking about, like, I hate to bring anyone back to the mindset of, like, March of 2020 oh, sure. when that happened. But, like, obviously I'm sure that, you know, digital citizenship and digital literacy was a, a big part of things prior to the pandemic. Do you feel like that's really accelerated now? And then also if you could kind of talk us through what the, you know, March of 2020 putting the plane together while it was in the air was for you. So I guess first how it changed digital yeah. citizenship. So yes, there was curriculum before, but now what you're getting back from kids, um, and again, we were all in a place that 
we did what we needed to. So the kids have more experience now with online gaming, talking with each other in headsets, playing with kids across the world. And again and again, when I get to that point and I give them the scenario of someone has said something mean to you online, like what's your gut reaction? What do you do back? Um, and there's so much negative talk behind the screen that a lot of them now, my digital citizenship again and again is coaching them through, I know they made you angry, you're not gonna respond with anger too. Um, so I try to make them think about their digital footprint. If somebody captured that one moment in time, it looks like number one, you're the instigator. Yeah. If you don't have the beginning of the conversation. Um, and, and just though those interactions amongst each other behind the screen where there's that in an anonymity, there, yeah, some kids instantly. Hard for adults to wrap their minds for, around, oh, let yeah. alone a second grader. Yeah. Yes, who, who just wants to have interactions and they hear it again and again, that kind of what they call smack talk back and forth. And um, yeah, that has been a huge part of our digital citizen conversation. What do I say back when somebody's bullying me online? What does that look like? And who do I tell? Um, even down to our second graders, um, we introduce the word moderator. Um, like you tell the moderator of that website. But oftentimes, about half of them already know. Oh, I report that kid. Yeah. I report that kid. I'm like, oh, good job. You know what to do. But don't say the naughty words <laughs> back. <laughs> report first. Report first. And then decompress. Interesting. Uh, that's tough. Um, so now, 20, March 2020, how we changed. I still joke with my family about this. Um, my children were in eighth grade and ninth grade at the time. And everything shut down. And of course, technology, our little group kind of already had a handle on video conferencing and how to do that sort of thing. But our district as a whole and our parents and our kids, they were lost. I mean, unless you did it for your job, a lot of people were lost. Um, so at the time, Google Meets was Google Hangouts. And mm -hmm. they were going this conversion sometimes. People called it Hangout. Hangout, somebody called it, called it Meets. So I told my family, it was like the second day we were at home, said, okay, told my husband to grab his cell phone. I'm like, go upstairs, be on your cell phone. I installed the app for him. I'm like, click on this app and wait for me. I put my dog at the dining room table because my son refused to do it. And he, my dog likes to sit at the table. So I put the computer in front of him that was a Chromebook. I was on a desktop computer. And I opened a Google Meet and started recording. And I said, and this is how we are going to meet to decide what the kids should do right now. Little did I know Google Meets was going to be like how we then yes. did instruction. I thought it was just gonna be for us as educators, this is how we're gonna meet. And I said, and you can be on a cell phone. I'm like, Jake, talk on your cell phone. I'm like, turn your, turn your phone so they can see how it pans and it changes your picture. I'm like, and you can see my dog too. So I sent it just to our building going, this is what we need to do, this is what I suggest, this is doable. We can, we can do this. And I didn't know at the time that when I sent a North Grove All email, it went to everyone in the district at the administration building. <laughs> I, get, I start getting emails from like the director of special education. Your dog's cute. <laughs> what? You saw my dog. So all these, all these people were instantly learning not only how to do computers, but I, I don't think I've ever made so many videos in my entire life. Like, I make instructional videos for the kids. Yeah. I do that. So if you're lost and you need to go back, watch my video. But it was bad. So many videos. 
Yeah, I can imagine. So, so many videos. <laughs> but I mean, I still think about that first video I made, and my dog is sitting at my dining room table, and my husband's up in the hallway. It I'm takes like, you back. It does. I'm like, yeah. flip the light on. You turn your phone. They need to see this. That we can do this. This is doable. It's hard, but but doable. I'm glad that your dog is, is now that reference <laughs> point for so many people in the district now. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and all the kids even know, like, my orange dining room table. I'm like, that's where I would sit. They're like, oh, yeah, your dining room is orange. I'm like, mm-hmm. You know it. <laughs> all right. Well, the last question that, that we will end you off on. Okay. I think that it's obvious that over the last couple of years, education has kind of become more in the national conversation just in terms of news and people having opinions about it. Sure. And... So I'm curious, just from your perspective, what's something you wish more people knew about what being an educator is? Something that's it's maybe more important than you think people might realize who aren't in schools every day with kids. Okay, that's a tough one. Um, I guess the thing that we always go back to is, um, or I go back to, is number one, we love your kids even when they frustrate us sometimes, as they do you. We love your kids, and um, I get to see them for six years here, so it's great to see them grow. Um, but it's hard as an educator to be what we call on. We're like on the stage. Yeah. Uh, we're watching our language. We're wa- watching There's performance the, to it. There's performance. Watching our language. We're watching how we hold our body. When we're disappointed in something, we don't get to do the knee jerk of, oh, that's horrible. We have to self-talk through why we're disappointed and what we should do with that disappointment to help model for the kids. Um, And to be on the stage every moment of the day is exhausting, exhausting. And I never, because I I do love it, I love it. But every time we hit like winter break and I'm on day three of winter break, even my own kids realize like, oh my gosh, you're up and it's past nine o'clock. I'm like, I know, right? Because I'm not performing all day. You're probably I, feeling about ready for that now. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty good. It is pretty good. Um, so the the being on all day, there's yeah. there's none of that water cooler time where you get to sit and kind of decompress or I'm just going to write this email. I'm writing an email while I'm redirecting five-year-olds while my phone's ringing. Um, so it's it's exhausting work. I mean, again and again, you'll see that educators love their job. You're saying you're not in it for the money? No, I know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, I'm, and that the is the vast cli- riches. Exactly right. That is a cliche at yeah. this point. Um, but yeah, it's exhausting. But if we're here, we love it. My name is Denise Ackman. I'm a kindergarten teacher here at North Grove. How long have you been uh, a kindergarten well, teacher? The funny thing about me is I actually came back to teaching in 2020. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, 1920, that school year you came back? Uh, nope, 2021. 2021? Yes, yes. Really? I, I have to ask I, you about that. So, Well, I um, I taught prior. I taught for six years and then was home for a few years with my kids. So I was on track, actually, to, to kind of make my return. Um, and the year before, I had been subbing. I had been, you know, kind of working my way back in and had already decided I was coming back um, before COVID hit. That was sort of my plan. So, did it make you hesitate at all on that decision? Um, a little. I mean, I, right, a little. But also, yeah. it was like kind of appealing to get out of the house um, <laughs> and get back into the workforce. So, um, no, I knew it would be like not the best time to come back. But it also kind of felt a little bit like, well, nobody really knows what they're doing right now. So maybe the playing it'll take field some is actually of the kind pressure. of even. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, yeah, sort of even things up a little bit. So, 
So you came back in like August of yes. 2020. Yep. So I interviewed in June of 2020. And then, yeah, we were kind of waiting on pins and needles all summer to figure out what that would even look like. Um, what was it like jumping back in after, so you said, how many years off? I was home for four years. So after four years off, you jump back in. I imagine that most of the kids were learning remotely at that point yes, still? Yes, we were fully rem- Well, yeah, so my own kids, I have three kids as well, so they yes. were... Um, you know, home with me. And so all of a sudden I was pulling out things off the shelves and we were trying to navigate this uh, with them. So yes, when when the job opportunity came up, I was like, yeah, get me out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I could get paid to do this. Like the same thing I'm doing essentially with my own kids right now. Oh, that's interesting. Let's do it. Interesting that you you jumped back in Mm -hmm. after four years during the pandemic. And now it's been a couple years from there. Things are relatively back to normal when it comes to the day-to-day mm-hmm. of the school. So I'm curious, how do you feel like the pandemic and your experience mm-hmm. coming back over the last couple of years, how has it changed you as an educator? Um, I think it, it just kind of stripped everything else away, right? And what you have left is like the bare bone. So like what, what stayed true is that teachers are amazingly resilient and kids are amazingly resilient. Like, we didn't know, especially with kindergarten, what is going to happen when we tell them that they're logging in on a screen. Um, what are their attention spans going to be like? What are What is this? We had no idea, honestly, what it was going to look like. Um, and we were kind of taken aback by how well they did. Like, they were excited. Uh, just like starting kindergarten traditionally, they were excited to start kindergarten. They were happy to be on the screens and signed in, and, and that was pretty amazing. Um, I think it's it's not a, a secret that teachers are sort of asked to do a lot of things. Um, sometimes I think that's safe to say. We <laughs> yeah. have a lot on your I, plate. I, I, yeah. we, we do have a lot on our plates, and and you know I think the the mindset is just like oh they can handle it like they'll they'll be fine they'll figure out a way, um, and we do for the sake of the kids, but it's it's certainly not easy um, to be constantly put in that situation where you like we know what's best for kids, but we can't do it because XYZ, it might be an initiative, it might be a, you know, a new program, a new curriculum, or a pandemic, but we just, we do find a way. Um, so I, I hope that there's been some increase in appreciation for teachers. I think it's do out there. Do you feel there. like there has been? Uh, I think the public opinion for a while was there. Same with probably healthcare workers. Heroes. Would, would say the same yeah, thing, right? Yeah, yeah like, oh, like, and people yeah. say like, oh, I can't imagine doing that. Um, you know, you're, it's so great. And I think that, that mindset of do it for the kids is, is a little bit dangerous because, of course, we're going to do it for the kids. But we can't be asked to keep doing it for the kids without proper, like, recognition, compensation. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's challenging. It's tricky. Um, but we did it. Yeah, it was great. And, and I think even coming back in person was good. And then this year feels even better. Like, you just think, like, oh, it'll be okay. They don't, you know, we're... We can't sit real close together, but it'll be okay. Or, you know, the masks, you know, it'll be okay. Um, but then when those things kind of fell away, it was like, oh, but this is good. Like, just having them close on the carpet to be able to turn and talk to somebody, it's like, this is important. I think there was some thought of like, well, maybe remote school is going to work. Like, the kids are still learning. We can really, you know, this this can work. Um, and it did to some extent. But when you see it back to, like, what it should be, it's just incredible, like the connections that they make just by being physically close to each other and interacting with each other. Um, it's important. How different would you say it is now every day in your classroom versus, you know, the, when pre-pandemic when you were a teacher? Does it feel 
dramatically different? Does it feel only a little bit different? Yeah, I think this year feels the closest to what I had felt before in the classroom. Right. Um, it it doesn't feel as different this year. I think I'm more aware, especially now as we're into like cold and flu season, like, oh, please get your face out of his face. Like, <laughs> yes. I think some of that is staying. Um, it still feels strange to see them huddled so close together just because that was like our main thing was like, ah, stay away, stay away, stay away. Um, and kids just gravitate, especially young kids just gravitate towards each other. They want to be close. Um, but as far as teaching goes, no, I, I feel like it's sort of like, okay, like, you know, we, we made a lot of changes. We did a lot of things differently, and now it's just kind of like, okay, well, that's over, back to normal. Um, like, let's just forget about about all that extra that we were asked to do for the last three years. Right, because there's, again, we're not breaking any news here. Right. You have a lot on your plate as <laughs> yes. a teacher. But during the pandemic, whether it be technology, mm -hmm. whether it be an increased attention on social emotional learning mm -hmm. and being a trauma responsive educator, these are, you know, extra sides Absolutely. tacked on to, yes. to the plate. Do you feel like that stuff is, is still there or do you feel like that stuff is still evident in, in how your classroom functions? And then socially too, mm -hmm. you teach kindergarten. Right. When the pandemic started, those kids were mm -hmm. like two, three yes. years old. And so having that different of a time period to grow up yep. in versus kids separately. Is that something that you feel like you can tell socially? Oh, yes. There were some major social setbacks last year. So last year's group, I mean, those kids really got nothing. They had no preschool. And I think we realized how much kids pick up just of, like, societal norms. Just, just by like going, going and to seeing other store. people, yeah, seeing their cousins. Go to the store, or... have a play date, go to, you know, places like church or the library or, or just places where they pick things up like those kids didn't have a lot of those experiences so a lot um, of animal crossing yeah <laughs> yeah last year I mean it was challenging and there was you know even some some fear and anxiety in kids that I think wasn't there before of like just they had been so sheltered um for so long so last year there were a lot of like social challenges this year's group feels a lot better they had a year of preschool last year it probably was masked it probably was distanced but they were there and they're having birthday parties and they're having play dates and they're going to library story time and they're going running into the store quick with the parents so they're hearing some of those and seeing some of those like normative behaviors so um, like last year when you did have a lot of kids that were mm -hmm. struggling and there was a bit of fear and anxiety mm -hmm. that was still in the classroom like did you feel like you really had the tools and the time to help all those kids that I you think could it do? was told like oh here like we'll we'll start this initiative or like take yeah. time for your you know I, I think there's like some like placating sure. language out there but like no we didn't change the time of our school day we didn't yeah we didn't do anything really last year the the first year like 2020 2021 school year we had a four-day week with kids and then one day um to kind of like work on our digital plans mm -hmm. we called it an asynchronous day um and that schedule was like really amazing. Like all of the teachers felt like it was just a sigh of relief to get to that Friday where we could work and focus and rework our, our slides for the week and our meeting schedule and how we're gonna teach both in person and online at the same time. So that felt like, okay, we have we want you to do things different, but here's an extra day to get it done, you know, within your contract time, within your work day. Whereas then last year it was like there's still challenges. We're not having to do the online stuff but there's still a lot more challenges that these kids are bringing to the table. But no, like you're just gonna have to figure out how to make that work in your in your own schedule with the five day school. You know, five 
day week yeah. of kids in person. So, you know, it, the, the sentiment was sort of like, okay, like it's over, um, you know, back to business as usual, but it's not over for the kids. And like that grade level is still highly impacted. They're on to first grade now and having some of the same social and emotional issues. So it's just sort of like we are going to, it'll be interesting to follow that class sort of as they go and see. You feel like that's the class point. that's probably been the most impactful? I think impactful. so. I think the, the current second grade class, the ones that were sort of fully remote for most of the year, they're kind of academically impacted. And we're seeing that now as they grow. Like they didn't get as much core instruction in kindergarten. The current first grade class, they had that core instruction. Um, yeah. But the, the, a lot of that social stuff is is still hanging on for them. So yeah. it's, it's it's super interesting to follow Very. as they grow, uh, especially the ones that were kind of starting here. Yeah. You know, I remember hearing so many stories about remote and hybrid mm-hmm. kindergarten when all of that was happening. Yes. Did you have any stories that now you think back to that exemplify <laughs> oh, that? Whether my it be gosh. kids doing jumping jacks in the background or throwing, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. What is, what do well, you think? Well, I mean, we, you, you know, we moment? get on, we have, there are certain times that we're supposed to be live with the half the class that's home and then half the class in person. And it's still just me. There's no extra adult in the room. So <laughs> yeah. I'm having to stand behind my desk to be on camera where I have, you know, nine or 10 kids sitting scattered around the room, nine or 10 kids on the screen. The kids on the screen are used to having, you know, my full attention. They think it's just me and them. They can't see the other kids on the screen. So they'll turn off their microphones and just start telling me a story or like, I, I need help. Could you show me that again? And then the kids in the classroom are doing this, you know, they see each other and they're wanting to play with each other. Yeah. At one point I, you know, I got everybody settled, got online, um, I looked up and a kid just had a, a gushing bloody nose. Oh my god! And I was like, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, like someone, someone. I know. Help I'm like, I, I really don't know hear. what to do right now. Like I told the kids on the screen, like, hang on a second, I, I have to go help this kid, you know. And then I come back and there's parents looking on the cameras, like, where is she? Where is she? You know, like, <laughs> um. But yeah, like life happens, right? Like I, I. For sure. Now it's all in the mask and there's like <laughs> blood everywhere. Um. So yeah, just those little, those days were rough. Those were, we call them the dark days of kindergarten where it just was not working to have five-year-olds in person and five-year-olds at home um, and trying to teach them at the same time. It's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the last thing I'll ask you is just, again, obviously at the last couple of years, I feel like education in general seems mm-hmm. to be more of a conversation, just like a national news yes. conversation. Everyone has an opinion about it. So I want to ask you, like, what you just wish more people knew about what being an educator is like. I think it's that that sentiment of, like, oh, you'll do it for the kids, and, like, we will, and we're all in this because we love kids and we want what's best for kids, but, like, we're also professionals. We are doing a job, you know, that that should be well-respected, and there are a lot of opinions, and people think, like, well, I have kids. I, I know what you should be doing in your classroom, but... Um, it's different. So yeah, just that, like we're professionals and we deserve to be treated that way. And we will bend for the kids, but like there's a breaking point. And, and, and when we hit that breaking point, it's, it's not good. And one really cool thing we wanted to note on our way out is that we recorded these conversations on video as well. So you can go over to our WNIJ Facebook and Instagram pages right now and check those out. And you can watch the full interviews over at our WNIJ YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening to Teacher's Lounge. That's all we've got for you today. And a huge thank you to all of those wonderful educators at North Grove and Sycamore. Thank you to Dawn. Thank you, Whitney, Tiffany, 
Liz, and thank you, Denise. We really, really do appreciate their time and their work. And also a thank you as well to North Grove Principal Jacob Countryman for helping us set this up and letting us into your space, into the school, into the teacher's lounge for these conversations. We really appreciate it. And as always, please do feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on our show. It's how we get all of our great guests. Please do send them our way to teacherslounge at niu.edu. And wherever you're hearing this podcast, please do subscribe, leave us a rating, share it, whatever you can do. It really is the best way to help us out and make sure that we can get even more perspectives on the show. A big thank you to the Northern Illinois Band Kind Ofs for the awesome music you hear each and every episode of the show. Thank you to All Things Considered host extraordinaire Susan Stevens for helping us record the video in the Teacher's Lounge. And a huge thank you to Spencer Tritt for not only making our Teacher's Lounge logo, but also for helping us do all of the video editing it took to get the clips on social media and everything on our YouTube page. We literally, I literally could not do it without you. So huge thank you there. I've been your host, Peter Medlin, and we'll be back with more Teacher's Lounge very soon. See ya.